I get knocked down, but I get up again. You ain't never gonna keep me down. I get knocked down, but I get up. Sounding good, buddy. Uh, what are you doing? We're doing episode two. The one about brand resilience, embracing failure as part of the journey, about staying relevant and leading with bravery, about getting back up. You know, they're never going to keep you down. Okay, but why are you in my bathroom? Wait, how did you get in my house? I, I tried the door, then the window, then the chimney. Eventually I got through your little doggy door, which is weird because you don't have a dog. But the point is, they're never going to keep me out. Yeah, yeah, I know. The episode that explores the DNA of resilience and why it's so critical and how to ensure that resilience is a mainstay in your brand. But do you really think that this is the best place and time to be recording our second episode? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I heard the acoustics are great in bathrooms. I'll let you get out, get dried off, and then we can start recording. I need you to leave, Kyle. Right, 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 right. We're going to loop back on what just happened here, okay? Welcome to Commerce Chefs, a quirky and thought-provoking show for future-focused commerce leaders. We're going to pit the world's most brilliant, inspiring, and driven D2C visionaries, the Commerce Chefs, with riveting questions to uncover their secret ingredients at the intersection of passion, performance, and leadership in practice. For the past decade, we've led teams of designers, strategists, and digital wizards at one of the leading e-com agencies in the country to help brave brands become enduring classics. And we're here to indefinitely borrow the strategies and pro tips that will make us all better leaders and make the brands we lead better too. Wow. That gets me every time, Tom. It means a lot, Kyle. It's poetry. It's like you're the E.E. Cummings of commerce. E.E. Commerce. Huh? <laughs> That's good. That's really good. So, Kyle, today we're talking about resilience, which is arguably the most important thing that you can embody as a leader. Things never go the way you think they will. Failure happens. It's part of the process. Yep. <laughs> like like that day that we lost $200,000. <laughs> do, do you remember that? Tom. You said we weren't going to talk about that. Oh, yeah. Shoot, shoot, shoot. Sorry. Okay. The day okay. that shall not be named. Yes. Right. All right. Uh, well, we've had our fair share of setbacks. Is that, that we can say that? We can say that. The important thing is to reflect on it and pull learnings from it. After all, when you quote unquote lose 200K, you remember not to do it again. Anyways, enough from us. We chatted with Nate Justice, the co-owner of Distill Union, to discuss his thoughts on bouncing back from failure as both a product designer and as a founder. The mistakes you can make are endless, and you will make them. Some of the ones that we've, we've run into, not getting user feedback. You can go to the other end of that and get too much user feedback and, and sort of have a design by committee situation. So... This word balance keeps popping up and sort of a lot of it just comes down to, to judgment and wisdom comes from experience and failure and, cor and course correction. So, you know, underestimating uh, costs, uh, not using a vetted trusted supplier, not doing your competitive product analysis, not doing thorough enough, you know, IP search, uh, patent search, <laughs> So many things have been thought of before. Um, 
then the scary, you know, the scariest part is coming up with a new idea and then seeing if it's been done before. And then sometimes it takes a hard, hard look more than a Google search, you know, not, not considering the entire customer journey of, of the product, just accounting, accounting for all that and getting a clear picture of what your, what your risk is. I think that's something that companies learn pretty early on. If you, if you don't learn that, you just don't last long. So I found that wisdom comes from experience and failure. Kyle, how have you found that to be true in your own experience? I mean, I know we joke about, you know, not talking about the $200,000 loss in a day, but we also say it's our MBA. We learned so much about losing focus and getting distracted from the main thing we we're trying to achieve that day, which is a whole nother episode, Tom, we'll get mm. there. Mm. And, and we took so many lessons from that. And, and even in smaller things, we, we don't have to be this big colossal failure to learn from it, you know, embracing a culture of, you know, learning from failure, the wisdom that comes from it is something that's so important to us at PB&J, our, our digital agency, where we every week look at what went well and what could we do better? You know, what did we learn from the things that didn't go the way that we thought they would or, or we expected them to go? I mean, and really, we we joke about losing all that money because it, it's a way to hide our pain. Um, <laughs> well, just a tiny bit, yeah. But that aside, I think another thing that we hold important is is just trying to learn from others. You know, there, there are people ahead of us, uh, you know, in business, uh, patrons that we work with, like they've gone down some of these paths before. They've had these experiences. And the more that we can learn from others, the more that we can gain insight from their failures, whether that's through mentors, our advisory board, coaches, you name it, you know, people in our lives. I think learning from them is also pretty key. So Tom, Nate lists some common mistakes when starting out, like keeping a balance of enough, but not too much user feedback. So why is this important? Well, balance is important in a lot of things, uh, especially if you're on a, on a skateboard. But That's very true. You, you've seen me, or maybe you haven't, but yeah, it's Gold not, medal. not great. Gold medal. Um, look, we are always obsessed as leaders with what people think, whether it's a new mm -hmm. product or a new brand or, you know, what people think of uh, our new podcast, uh, for example. <laughs> that's, that's not something I think about at all. <laughs> no, it doesn't keep me up at night. Uh, <laughs> but feedback's important. Understanding what your customers and what your audience think about something is, is important. And it's real. We need to listen to it. Henry Ford was talking about market input and feedback. And he'd said, if I asked my market, what they wanted, they would have asked for a faster horse. Mm. So if you take feedback at face value and you don't actually get to the real pain behind the feedback, the thing behind the thing, then you might very well miss out on the opportunity to meet the vision you had in the first place. So I would say the balance of feedback is to allow it to improve and deliver the thing that you're trying to create or the outcome you're trying to create in the first place and not be a distraction for what you know is the right move to make. Yeah. And I think one of the idioms that's always stuck with me is you can fix a bad decision, but you can't fix no decision. Ooh, that's, you know, balance. Nate gave us a really great list of things that can go wrong when bringing D2C products to life, but Sometimes, even if we're told not to do something, we still seem to find ourselves making the mistake anyways. It's kind of like being told, 
don't touch the red button. But I have to. Sometimes you just need to find out for yourself. And I know when you chatted with Katie Tuff and Yanni Carlos, the co-founders of the Banff Hospitality Collective and Park Distillery, you spoke about this and they had a really interesting take, I thought. You got to pay a lot of attention and make really fast decisions. And you have to, a lot, we've been talking a lot during the pandemic, we've been talking a lot about failing fast, which essentially at its origin I think everybody knows what it means, but deep down, as we analyze further what failing fast means, it means you have to try something. So to fail, you have to have tried. And so being experimental and quickly trying and quickly removing your ego for something from something that isn't working. Yeah, getting over that cognitive uh, bias that you have towards loss aversion, right? You know, people tend to, you know, throw more effort around things that are failing than they do around things that, that may succeed. It's a, it's a cognitive bias that humans have, right? So we're, we're trying to make a conscious effort to, like Katie said, fail fast. So not get caught in that trap of going, okay, well, it's not working. What can we do to fix it? Instead of just saying, okay, let's just stop that and drive on to something different. And almost in every case, somebody's ego and pride will be tied up into that failure. And so as managers and leaders, you just like really have to get over yourself and realize that your idea sucked. (laughs) Yanni mentioned cognitive bias that humans have towards failure. How have you seen that manifest amongst D2C brands you've created or worked with? Everyone's afraid to fail. I think that's a, that's a natural human disposition, but the sooner that we understand that failure is part of the journey. As soon as we can reframe failure as something to be leveraged and not to be feared, I think we're going to be in a way better spot as brands and as leaders. Be brave. One way I think, or actually a lot of ways I think we've seen this come to pass, like some of our patrons, you know, PB&J, they don't move forward with an idea even when they know that it's needed because they're afraid it might fail. They water down exciting new ideas to placate the lowest common denominator versus really aiming at those that they really seek to serve. And so often we get caught playing not to lose versus playing to win. And we focus on our biggest risk instead of the biggest opportunities. And in any opportunity, there's a chance for failure. Yeah. Okay. My question for you now, are you ready? I'm ready. Katie talks about ego. This is big. Why do you believe that some leaders get caught up in a single idea and they just can't let go of it? How can other people avoid that? Well, Tom, I have have a policy to not talk about ego. You know, I don't want to talk about my ego. It's not a problem. Mm. Just full stop there. Let go of my ego. (laughs) It's important to check yourself um, and understand if your identity is held up in one idea or a series of ideas. I think it's so easy as leaders, you know, as whether you're the founder or whether you're a brand leader, you know, so much of what we create, what we bring to the world is in those ideas. And we have to learn to detach from that because sometimes we don't have the best idea, or sometimes we had a great idea, but it didn't work out the way that we wanted it to. And in a part of creating is to let go of other things, you know, as Elsa once famously said, I was thinking about Elsa. Yeah. We just need to let it go. 
We can't afford the licensing rights for that song, can we? No, I was going to sing it, but I, I figured okay, we couldn't don't. afford it. Yeah. Nobody can afford to hear you sing that song. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if the only way that we're going to learn is if we make mistakes, does that mean that failure is, in fact, part of the DNA of resilience? Well, speaking of Frozen, Tom, we chatted with Brent Baldwin, a prolific marketer who's worked with the likes of Disney on Ice and the Harlem Globetrotters. He's the founder of New Agency, and I think he can help us get to the bottom of this. I think by their very nature, brands are not designed to be resilient. There is a reason that in the 40s and the 50s, the department store was the model that we needed at that time and became the example of retail. There is a reason now that traditional brick and mortar is faltering and we're all going to Amazon and every other delivery service that is possible. It's because the brand has decided what our need is and how they can best fit that current need. So just by hardwiring, brands are not meant to be resilient. They're meant to be kind of flighty. They're meant to come in, fill a specific need, help us out for a short period of time and give way to the next brand that's going to come around. So that's why when you think about it, if you want to have longevity, you have to be resilient. I don't know that DNA of your brand and resiliency maybe go as hand in hand as we would like for them to. I think maybe your DNA is something that's incredibly hardwired. We think about it as ourselves. We're, we're hardwired to have very specific types of personalities. You're never going to make an introvert comfortable with an extrovert. You're never going to get an introvert out there leading the band in the parade. I mean, we're hardwired in some very specific ways. So are organizations in their DNA. And, and a lot of that DNA comes from the founder of that company and, and what their vision is at the beginning. And that should never change for a brand, but your execution and how you communicate that how you represent that through your brand or through other brands that you acquire or that you build or you grow. Um, I think that is kind of a space where things can mold and kind of adapt, especially when you're in a global pandemic or when you're in some sort of a global economic depression or growth period or what happened, whatever it happens to be. So Brent had a totally different take on this. Yeah, instead of looking at failure as part of the DNA of resiliency, he says it's actually the opposite. Failure is a byproduct of resiliency. It's part of the gig, and it's not always this scary monster that we so often associate it with. Often it's simply a hypothesis that didn't work out or a path that was no longer worth pursuing. Yeah, exactly. To stay relevant and ultimately achieve longevity, you have to experiment with change. The DNA comes down to the core ethos of your brand and your willingness and propensity to change. Failure is part of change. You can't have one without the other, but you'll certainly guarantee catastrophic failure without change. We know brands need to continually evolve, which requires resilience. So then how do we go about being resilient as a brand? And now it's time for Thoughts from the Shower, where Kyle and I say what's ever on our mind. Why do we call CTAs buttons when they're not really something you can push? <laughs> That's a good question. Since e-com platforms operate in the cloud, shouldn't it be called Shopify? 
I vote for that. Tom, after an abandoned cart gets abandoned, where does it go? Is there some poor high school student running around collecting them in the middle of the digital winter and bringing them back to the digital cart carousel? It's a really bleak job. We treat our e-com platforms like our children. We get really defensive really quickly. <laughs> the other day, somebody said to me that WooCommerce was the greatest, and I just stared at them like, nah, uh <laughs> Well, Tom, does a fairy die every time someone says Spotify instead of Shopify? <gasps> Shh, I think you just did it. We'll have to talk to Peter Pan. Say product description page 10 times fast. Product description page, product description page, product description page, PDP, PDP, PDP. See? You can't. And we're back. Strong brands reinvent themselves over and over again. They stay fresh like pop stars after decades of hits. They're the Beyonce's, the Garth Brooks's, the Taylor Swift's, the David Bowie's, the Madonna's, the Celine Dion's, the Chumbawamba's. Well, okay, granted, Chumbawamba has the anthem of resiliency. They aren't exactly mm-hmm. the poster child of staying relevant. Right, 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 right. Okay, so so don't be Chumbawamba unless you're Shrek. Or, or, or Shrek the second, or Shrek the third, or Shrek the final chapter, Shrek spooky stories, or Shrek the holiday special. Okay, Kyle, I'm uh, Shreked out. We get the point. Okay, so you're saying this conversation is ogre? Ooh, let's get back to Brent. I think to maybe use Coke as the analogy for this, resiliency, I don't think means that you get it right every time and that you have all the answers. You have to be open. You have to be adaptive. You have to be both inward and outward reflective. And you have to go back to whatever your brand standards are and constantly evaluate them. Probably the most famous example of Coke is New Coke in the 80s, where they just absolutely got it like horribly train wreck, like 2020 level bad, like, you know, but what's so funny is, um, you know, in recent years with Stranger Things, you know, they brought New Coke back and they made fun of themselves and their failures. They short term relaunched the brand and used it as a stunt. And basically, I mean, you know, a previous CMOs, that was probably on their never list. Like they've got a giant poster with an X through it. That's like, he should, he who should not be named, you know, like never, ever, ever speak of new Coke unless you want to go collect your things. But I mean, like, you know, how brilliant was the team to be, you know, to be confident enough in their brand and to say, that's what resiliency looks like for us. We're going to say like, let's be open. Let's be receptive to some of these things. And, and let's kind of challenge the norms and the nevers that we thought we would never put forward. Tom, what are your thoughts on Coke's stunt with New Coke? And why is it so important not to take yourself too seriously when building a brand? Y'all know humor is part of me. Uh, it's, it's true. It's part of me personally. It is true. Thank you. You're the biggest joke that I know, Tom. That's the nicest thing you've said. Yeah, thank you. But I, I also believe it's an important trait to carry uh, as a leader. And I, I think those that I look up to and those that I have seen be successful have had humor and not taking themselves too seriously uh, at the heart of it. The new Coke campaign still spoke to Coke's ultimate DNA of refreshment. So why is it important that regardless of risk, and that was a big risk to bring it back up, mm-hmm. You stay true to the DNA and the vision of your brand. Yeah, I think it's it's so important because it's your why. 
it's why you get up in the morning as a leader, as a brand, in the tough days, in the good days. And it's the change that you want to see in the world. It's, it's why you're here. It's your, if I could use the beautiful French, Tom, it's your raison d'etre. Magnifique. Nate mentioned this as well when we chatted about Distill's commitment to donate 1% of their revenue to the planet. Even when it gets hard, stick to your DNA as a brand and as a leader. Just yesterday, we did uh, the calculation for what we need to donate for 1% for the planet. I was surprised. I mean, it's, you know, it's a tough economy right now. 1% doesn't sound like a lot, but it's terrifying because if you're unprofitable, I'm here thinking like, I have to keep the business going. But, you know, it's a commitment that we've made. And, you know, we fortunately are able to, to give that. But it is about balance. And you make these promises and these commitments for a reason. You might feel like you could grow the business more if you reinvested it in product or something else and maybe give more next year. You just, you just do it. And you talk to your accountant and, and he sighs. And then, and then you realize, you know what? What are we doing this for? Yanni also mentioned this idea of sticking with your DNA in all aspects of the brand. We don't compromise on making sure that every element of the business is is the best that it can be. You know, it, it can't just be a brand. It can't just be a spirit company and it can't just be a restaurant. Every one of those things has to be the best it can be. Anytime that anyone's experiencing part, we strive to ensure that it's best in class for, for what it is. So to be resilient, brands need to continue to evolve and stick to their DNA, even when it's tough, even when things don't work out. And look, this applies to brand leaders as much as it does the brand itself. Leave your ego at the door and wake up every morning focused on being better. This new crop of leaders, they show humility, they're transparent. The old saying, the only idea I like better than mine is, you know, is a better idea. I mean, it is so true. You know, it rings with these people. Um, But it's also, you have to have that ego in a good way. You have to have that self-confidence in a good way that I'm very confident in my abilities, what I bring to the table, that I'm okay surrounding myself with people that are smarter than me in certain areas. And because we have this two-way street of trust and because I know that when they succeed, I succeed and I want them to grow when they want me to grow, it's understanding where your ego and what your intentions of your ego actually lie. Are, Are they pure and are they true or are they just purely selfish? I think the simple call to the to these leaders is be better. And I think that if you get up every morning and you think, how can I be better? How can the work be better? How can my brand be better? How can I be better about providing value for somebody? Then you will go down that right path. It's something easy for us to think about. And some days we're going to knock it out of the park. And some days we're going to struggle mightily and we're going to go in the wrong direction. But I think it's okay as long as every morning we're getting up and our mindset is focused on that and on being better. And a lot of that comes through just continued reflection. I think this is a theme that we've heard a lot too, is it's just... You have to be reflective on everything, on yourself, inside your organization, outside your organization, 
um, you know, reflective on what your brand looks and feels like today compared to yesterday, because the pandemic has taught us so many things. But one of them is that every day something is going to change and we have to wake up every morning and be reflective on what that is. And, you know, I think that extends beyond just the work we do as brands. I think it expands into the work that we do as humans and we do as people. And so every morning, how can I get up and how can I be better? What can I do in my neighborhood, in my community, you know, the people around me, the circles that I run, the people that I call family, just like I think all the brand leaders, the great brand leaders are doing out there. They're getting up every morning and they're saying, how can I support my community? The people that look to my brand for hope and for inspiration and to fill whatever that need is. Um, each day. What's interesting to me is that this actually should be the easiest time for us to do this. You know, when it's probably going to be hard is when things return to some sort of a normalcy because we'll feel like we can just go back to the way things were. We can feel like things aren't going to change every day or every week. Um, and so it's going to be really easy to go back to a lot of those old habits and hopefully this new crop of leaders is going to take this concept of resiliency to heart and it's going to become part of their DNA as a leader. And they're going to, you know, supplant it to the DNA of their brand. And they're going to say, man, this worked so well for us when things were hard. Let's keep doing it when things hopefully are a little bit easier. The simple questions we need to leave this cozy 30-minute podcast with and wake up asking every morning are this. What makes us relevant today? And how can I be better today? And like Brent said, we need to not let this mindset fade away when circumstances, like a pandemic, don't require us to ask it every morning. Relevance is dynamic. It's a choice to continue to get back up and to choose courage over comfort. Yes, we are maybe a small part of the whole, But as the leader goes, so goes the brand. Resilient brands and their leaders make the choice. They make bad decisions and they don't always get it right, but they choose to reframe failure and leverage it into the next opportunity. They choose to let go of pride and focus on getting it right. It's that simple, but it's really freaking hard and it's scary. And so the failure in resilience is that failure is in resilience. It actually requires weakness. It demands failure first, and then a choice to step back up and come out stronger than before. They go hand in hand. They're cause and effect. They're yin and yang. Or like the legends of our generation, Chumbawamba once said, you need to get knocked down in order to get back up again. Legends? Really? I like the song. It fits the episode. Just run with it, Tom. Okay. Well, unlike Chumbawamba... Resilient brands endure and unresilient brands break. You have the hard road of resilience or the easy road of irrelevance. You choose. There you have it. That's episode two of Commerce Chefs. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you learned all the reasons why you should fail and keep failing. But if you're looking for more, make sure to join the Commerce Chefs community by following us on social at Commerce Chefs. Ask us questions, send us requests, We want to hear from you. We're currently cooking up the next episode of Commerce Chefs, so tune in on February 4th. Remember, it's just as important to feed your ears as your mouth. 
As you always say, Tom, the ears are the other mouth of the head. Lastly, if you liked this episode and want to support us, make sure to hit the subscribe button and leave us a five-star rating and review. Until next time, this has been a Dash of Tom and a Pinch of Kyle. We'll be cooking with you in two weeks.